Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And it's a very nervous Stop Hammer Time that greets you this week as we have one point from our last two games uh, against Chelsea and Tottenham Hotspur. We'll be discussing both of those games with, uh, uh, first of all, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. And it's a huge pleasure to welcome back uh, one of our favourite guests, possibly one of the greatest writers on the subject of football we've ever known. Uh, happily, he wrote a blog about West Ham United, the particular football club we're concerned with. But what, so this was a repository for some of the nicest pieces of writing about football we had ever seen, and hence his frequent invitations to our podcast. It is, of course, James Cairns. James, how have you been? I'm very good, thank you, Phil. What a lovely welcome. Thank you. you I, have, I, I, uh, I should confess to not writing very much recently. No. I, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> your, your blog is, of course, uh, The H List. Uh, do look up old episodes. It is very, very good. Or editions or articles, uh, I should say. Um, it's uh, excellent. Yes, I detected that you haven't been doing all, all that many articles lately. Uh, is there a reason for this? Um, it's not really. Um, just sort of life took over. Yeah. Um, really. Um, and a bit, just a bit of that going on. Um, and I don't know. Once I stopped, it was hard to, it was hard to get started again. <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. And then we started doing very well. And I thought maybe I would curse it. So then I stopped. Yes. And now we've gone back to not doing so well again. And, I, and now I feel if I started writing, everyone would only say that I wrote when things weren't going so well because I was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just trapped. <laughs> you, you know what, doing doing this podcast, as we have done since December 2007, we started. So we started when Kerbishley was the manager. Um, it goes in cycles to the point at which we feel <laughs> we've done exactly this podcast about three times, you know? Uh, definitely under Avram Grant. Uh <laughs> One time under Pellegrini, uh, the one where we're definitely in danger of relegation. Oddly, as we keep saying, the Avram Grant one, at about this time, we thought we were definitely not going to go down, that we had uh, turned a corner because we had a couple of good results. Savon Hines' goals against Liverpool and I think a fixture against Stoke somewhere in there. And we thought, yes. yep, we've yeah. turned the corner. Savon Hines, Freddie Picky on. Um, Victor Rabina, we thought we've turned a corner, and in fact, we hadn't. We hadn't turned a corner. We were keeping st going straight towards the cliff. <laughs> we had Denver Bar. We had Denver Bar. We did we? have Denver Bar, who was great. You know, who was yeah. scoring goals and and whatnot, and and you know, yeah, we had yeah, we had those wins against Stoke and and Liverpool, and thought, well, yeah, we've obviously yeah. turned a corner. Yeah, and Bar was I, fantastic. I was going to say you could probably replay the one from the same time in the Pellegrini season, but unfortunately it would yeah. probably be full of us going, well, I hope we get Moyes. <laughs> He'd yes. be the sort of guy to keep us up uh, in this sort of situation. Uh, yeah. Well, so, you know, yeah, we can't reuse really that one. But um, 
you know, I still, still there's still credit in the bank with me for David Moyes because I was just thinking today he is still the only manager to put two good seasons together, one after the other, in the same flight this century. You could argue that 2004, five and five six under Pardew were two good seasons in a row. One, but one was because we came up from a lower division as a result of that season. In fact, quite a lot of that season we didn't play very well. We just crept it, yeah. crept into I mean, the top six. Yeah, I mean, James, and the same with same with Allardyce as well. Two thousand, yeah. uh, you know, eleven, twelve, and twelve, thirteen. You could say were two good seasons in a row. But again, they're in different flights, and we literally haven't managed two good seasons in a row since I would say I can't really remember sort of 98, 99, red, right? 99, 2000, and two thousand, two thousand and one. But we yeah. certainly enough went wrong for us to change managers get Glenn Roder in instead of Harry. So one of those seasons can't have been very good. Uh, but certainly 97, 90, 97, 98 and 98, 99, that was eighth and fifth. Enjoyable football as well. Yeah, uh, good football, yeah. yeah. Um, James, seeing as we've not, we've not heard from you for, for a while, I mean, just before we talk about specific games, I mean, in very broad terms, what what's your analysis of, of what's gone wrong this season? What, what had, you know, big picture analysis? Big picture analysis. Well, I mean, I, I think I was trying to think the last time I was on actually, and um, whether or not I was being an arch miserableist at the time. Um, and it's entirely <laughs> possible. I can't remember. Um, but one of the things that always sort of slightly worried me about this couple of years, and I would absolutely echo what Phil has said, which is that I'm I'm have been since before he was hired a big Moyes fan or you know really thought it was ridiculous that we let him go the first time mm. and I think that the two or you know however long two and a half seasons he's given us have been fantastic and it's not just back-to-back um Premier League seasons but there's a, a you know a, a Europa League semi-final yeah for God's yeah. sake in the you know which I never thought I'd see the like of in my life so I think he's done an, an incredible job but the the thing I was always worried about was you know what why are we why are we being successful now versus two years ago and do we think that there have been structural changes made in the background of the club such that we're now making better transfers our players are fitter the you know the um, everything behind the scenes yeah. is better you know and we're now making better decisions or do we think that actually maybe there's just a confluence of events that have happened that mean that we're pretty good for a couple of years and you sort of you know and I kind of never really knew the answer to that because in some way in some respects it's quite hard to tell that sort of thing isn't it yeah but you look at it and you think well you know Moyes came in I think with something to prove a revitalized manager you know got a lot of respect for him he's reinvented himself two or three times and I think we got him at the perfect time we then bought well immediately so Suchet, Bowen, um, Soufal all arrived in a fairly short space of time and were yeah. good. Um, our youth team, youth um, set up, delivered to us Declan Rice, a world-class player, right in the slap bang in the middle of that. And frankly, you had a few teams who would be natural competitors to us, the likes of Villa, um, Leeds, Leicester, Newcastle, who had fallen away in that time. Yeah. So I think that it was, if you look back on it now, you'd say perhaps we were ripe to suddenly, you know, burst onto the scene. Someone was going to do it and it happened to be us. But was there any of the underlying structural changes needed to really consistently, you know, be like Brighton or Brentford? And I think the answer probably is no. And mm. and, I, and the way I sort of discern that really is I look at the, the, the transfer work that's been done and I think I'd make an argument that since Soufal, there hasn't been a surefire player where I would say that that transfer was a definite success. And so I think, it, you know, that's a very long answer to your question, Jim, but yeah. I kind of yeah. feel like maybe the events that made us good or made us do well, things have moved on. We've been sussed out a little bit. Our players have been sussed out. Some have got old. Some have lost form. Our transfers haven't been very good. And the rest of the league have caught up with us and gone past us. So, so in short, in a sense, the last two years were a blip and we've, 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 we've switched to default mode, really. Well, we are, yes, I hate to put it like that, but it does feel like now we're where we norm this we should be, you know. And normal yeah. service has been resumed. Yeah, I mean, you know, enjoy your Europa League semi-finals when they come along for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you yeah. know, but but look, I mean, this is maybe what it's going to be like. And also, I mean, the reality is that now that the Premier League has seven 
Super League clubs now because obviously Newcastle around by the owned by the Saudi state. Brighton and Brentford are both incredibly well run, you know, by by clever people. Yeah. And you start to look at it a bit and you think, oh, well, you know, it, it actually getting seventh and you're doing what we did in in that sort of competitive league, really pretty good achievement that we might struggle to repeat for a little while unless we have a sale to critique. That's the other thing. Club yeah. might get sold fairly soon. Sullivan's a lame duck, really. And if he gets out, if he goes, he sells, and then the club rejuvenates itself, then we might become one of those teams that's again on the ascendancy. Yes, I I I agree with all of that. I sort of think that um, you know the it's difficult to speculate on the things that we literally don't know about, and I don't know about the sort of the kind of recruitment and scouting aspect of the club in terms of sort of buying new players. We obviously had those couple of good seasons, but we fell away last season towards the end. And in uh, uh, by way of uh, having to keep running in order to stay still, you know, I think we really needed to work very hard to ensure that we finished top 10 and didn't have the kind of alarming, uh, nerve-wracking season that we're having. And, um, you know, in the same way as after Billich's excellent 2015-2016 season in which I was very annoyed that he went and did his punditry at the Euros because I thought we're moving to a new stadium and we've just had a really great season. You've got to be by your phone all the time back in London, sort of shepherding us, you know, the the few miles to this new stadium and ensuring that when we get there, we play good football. And he didn't seem to do any of that, that sort of weird collection of you know Fagule, Gokantore, Nordvite, that strange clutch of Caleri, uh the Manchester United mm. kid, those guys we bought that were just not very good. Uh when the previous season we'd got, you know, Jenkinson on loan, we'd got um uh, obviously Pae, we'd got uh a fully firing Cresswell, we got Lanzini, you know Moses. Moses, Saka, you know, things were things were good this season. You you had to kind of strengthen, you know, to at least achieve the equivalent of that level, as much if not go past it, you know. And it, it, the same thing has happened this time, in that we sort of haven't done that. And Jim, Jim has sort of talked quite a lot about um, Paketar being the sort of fourth choice of a kind of some sort of brilliant playmaker. So we ended up sort of getting someone that isn't actually one in our attempts to sort of, you know, um, you know, get someone who is going to be that player, you know. Um, I, I would, I, I'd absolutely again, agree with um, uh, uh, your, your analysis. I, I think we have, we have had a kind of just a, a kind of slightly fluky couple of years, um, and a part of that, I think, has been we've been relatively injury-free for those two seasons. And I think this season, I- injuries have really come at bad times and uh, affected the team in, in in particularly bad ways. I mean, you could take, for example, you know, Paqueta's injury against Chelsea. You know, uh, came at a really bad time. Into you know, you you would have he was just beginning to find support. He played. A really his best 45 minutes for West Ham away at Newcastle, I, I thought. And he and Rice mm. really looked quality in that central midfield. Um, uh, you know, so there was a sort of sense that he was just beginning to get into his stride. Yeah. Um, and gets that injury again. And, you know, it would have been bloody useful at Spurs, wouldn't he? You know, yeah, even though brilliant. actually, um, you know, Suchek had a decent game at, at top. Yeah. Very good. We'll come on to that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about those two games, uh, uh, Spurs. Jim, you and I went to Spurs. Uh, Yeah. Again, it was that the thing we've seen a lot this season of not not games that we're simply not in it, and you know we're sort of just routinely swept aside. There's another game like many this season where we've sort of actively played well in it. I thought we were very good in the first half. 
Good performances all over the pitch. I thought Suchek had a really good game. Soufal had a good game. Uh, Emerson looked good. We sort of looked all right, but we just couldn't, as always, put the ball in the net. Our 2-0 well, defeat to Brentford. You know, the first 20 minutes of that, we absolutely yeah. bossed it. Didn't put the ball in the net. Well, didn't even create, apart from Bowen's early snapshot that um, that went wide, uh, didn't really create a chance. Didn't really... You know, only had I think um, a couple of shots on a few shots on goals in the entire game. There was Bowen's um, one. I think might have been the only shot on target, the one that was saved just after they scored in the second half. I agree yeah. that we were in that game and 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 the game plan was was sort of working. But y- your heart sank when you saw Downs on in, in the, not that I've got anything personally against him, but when you saw Downs there rather than any of the possible attacking options. From the from from the bench there, you thought, well, we've come to get a point here, haven't we? It was very and strange. in the end that just you know bites you on the ass so often, doesn't it? That that philosophy, and I, I do fear that he's become, you know, that that's become the mode that we're operating in now. Very sort of try not to lose first of all, and time and again we concede the first goal. And you were saying, Phil, you know that that it, it, in the past when we conceded first under under Moyes in those two good seasons, that, uh, and, and there have been times where you know under Pardew, for example, when we we played a lot of you know on on the front foot football, we, we conceded the first goal. You think, okay, no, that doesn't matter. We always score. We're all we're yeah. going to get a goal. Now, do you sense that? Not only do we sense it on on the on the, on the in the stands that you sense that the feeling goes through the team. We concede first. We're we're going to struggle here. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I, it's a, it is a worry. What do you make I, of it, James? I think it's very interesting because um, you know, to, just to pick up on that point about the sort of negativity and the lack of ambition. It, if you look at the the sort of the way it's being talked about, I think people have been talking about Moyes like that for quite a long time, actually, yeah. at West Ham, and I think quite unfairly. I think he's yeah. often been labelled as a sort of a dinosaur and negative manager and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and actually, if you look at the seasons where we did well, I mean, we were free scoring. We were really, I mean, really yeah. good. So what, you know, if you yeah. think about, I don't know, going to Villa and winning 4-1 and those, you know, those we, we, had yeah. that, we had that habit, didn't we, of, of going 3-0 up and coming back and, and winning 3-2, which is, you know, yeah. what, what yeah, West Ham yeah. team have ever done that, you know. Um, so I never thought that was a, a label that was was fairly stuck. No, on. I agree. But but I must, you know, I confess that you know I watched the game on Sunday, and in particular, actually, if you listen to what Moyes says after the game, he sort of himself kind of confesses this, right? I mean, he, he kind of says, doesn't he? We were, we were basically hoping to get to seventy minutes intact, um, and then see what we could nick. Yeah. Um, and of course, we don't score from set pieces anymore, so that no, that no. threat has gone. Um, and yeah, the point about Downs is pretty interesting because he was in really, I think, to allow Suchek to run forward. That, yes. was, that was the yes. purpose behind that. Um, and to a degree, I mean, particularly in the in the very opening exchanges, you would say that that was yeah, Suchek was you know the most sort of visible yeah. player. Um, but you know, Spurs sort of got to grips with that, didn't they? And then improved, and then you always sort of felt Kane and Son that something because that always does, doesn't it, against us? But you 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 know they're too good to to sort of be stifled like that. Yes. And I just, I feel that I just feel there's a, there's a real difference between the game plan even 12 months ago versus now. And I do think that Moyes has actually regressed now to being quite unambitious. And I'm worried actually that that will slide us into a relegation battle that actually, if we had a little bit more about us in, in terms of just trying to take the game, I'm not mindlessly suggesting we should play free flowing football and all the rest of it, mm. but defensively we've been quite good all year. But scoring yeah. goals has been a massive, massive problem. And, um, and this uh, mode now doesn't help us. Yeah. I To pick up on your point about sort of, you know, the, the sort of criticism of Moyes being essentially a very defensive tactician... Um, you know, I a lot of these games, I'm not, I don't really know how that expected goals statistic sort of works. But just, you know, when we went away to Southampton, I think we had, um, you know, those stats at the end of a game just on the BBC's website showed something like 25 shots or 25 attempts. We had something like 14 corners, possibly against Brentford. So we're, we clearly are, you know, that's, 
those are the ta- those are the stats of a team that's sort of attacking the goal. And interestingly, on match of the day too, uh, the pundits picked up on that in that there was a very marked shortfall between our expected goals um, mm. statistic and the amount that we actually score. And I found myself sort of quite aggressively sort of defending Moyes, you know, on social media against people that are going, he's so defensive, he's so defensive, because... You know, we're getting shots. They're just not going inside the woodwork. Do you know what I mean? And he he can't really do that for the players themselves. It's sort of, you know, again, they said on Match of the Day 2, we don't really have a natural goal scorer. And, um, you know, Antonio is a converted striker. There was a really telling moment against Chelsea because it happened in right in front of us. We're very near the pitch where Soufal put a cross in. Both Ben Rama and Bowen were running quite quickly towards the six-yard box, but they weren't busting a gut to get there, and it just went across the six-yard box. Not in a position that was too close to the keeper. It went all the way out practically for a, you know, for a goal kick or a throw-in or something. It was a good cross. No one attacked it. We didn't have anyone to attack it. They, you know, they just didn't bust a gut to get there, and I just think... You know, neither of them is a sort of, uh, you know, Bowen is the closest we have. And he is, you know, again, he, there was a a ball over the top that he raced onto and the keeper came out and it didn't go in against Spurs. And you think, would he have done that? Would he have scored that a couple of years ago? Um So, so I don't. Yes, he's probably the answer, to yes, be honest, Phil. I, I mean, you, you know, that's how it works, expected goals, really. I mean, to, to a degree, when you underperform your expected goals like like we have, there's a degree of luck in that, and it's just bad luck. Yeah. And in, in if you look actually at the expected goals that we ought to have conceded, we've been quite unfortunate. And if you think back to something like the Palace winner, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's a fluke. You know, that that's not going to go. Even the Everton goal, if you remember back to that, was a bit yeah. Southampton. Yeah, again, yeah. Th- those aren't places you would expect teams to score from very often past our goalkeeper is very good. So some of that is just bad luck. Yeah. We also do, to be fair, have for players in forward positions who don't take chances very well. Antonio and Ben Rama spring yeah. to mind as being quite wasteful. And Bowen this year has been quite wasteful. He, yeah. I would imagine he will he will sort of regress to the mean statistically. But of yeah. course, the problem is, you know, we don't have that many games left for some of this no, stuff, which is right. why I kind of thought they bought Ings, to be honest, because that's sort of his yes. thing, isn't it? I was going to mention that because obviously, the, you know, the one the one uh, bit of transfer business, you know, we, 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 we brought in was a proven goal scorer. He's got he's got a better than one in three record throughout his career in the Premier League. Um, and yet he's just being given 10 minutes here and there, you know, when, when you know, yeah, when games are either gone or, or, or you know we, we we've been we've been tired and struggling. So I don't understand why he's you know it, he's not being given a, a more of an opportunity. Why we're not? Why we now? I mean, he seems to be very locked into certain ways of thinking. Seems to be um, Moyes at the moment, um, uh, and you know maybe Antonio needs to, needs to be you know, looked at in a role across the front three somewhere you know playing playing wider making those making those runs uh, and 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 puttings on the field with him at the same time yes you know? um or something like it feels something has got to happen when he when he kept us up um uh, first time around he, he he the the big thing he did was to go to that back three wasn't it that the, yeah. um uh, and at the time actually you know we put old bonner in the middle Cresswell uh, on the left-hand side and actually Declan Rice first time around, wasn't he? He was on the right-hand yeah. side of that back three. Yeah. And suddenly that 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 changed us and it, it, it altered the Now it feels to me he's got to make some kind of similar radical change slash discovery at the front end of the pitch. Yes. Than, say, the defensive performances, we, we're making some individual errors, but it's not dreadful. You know, we aren't defending as a team dreadfully. Um, no. No, oddly, given that we can, given that we conceded two goals, our, our central defenders were still actually quite good on on Sunday against Spurs. Yeah. I thought. I mean, it was interesting because it did seem like a kind of 
you know, deliberate attempt to sort of get fired or something to, to when we need goals, play <laughs> Flynn Downs. You just looked at the team sheet and went, what's he doing? But actually, in yeah. a way, it did. Because obviously we were, um, you know, the end they kicked two second half uh, against Spurs at the weekend and the ball was in the other half for a lot of the first half. We did press them. And I think, you know, James, as you say, part of that was, you see... He loves Suchek, doesn't he? And I think he wants he wants Suchek to go out and get, you know, goals for us. So so the the selection of downs was in order to push Suchek forward. Suchek had much more the sort of role he had in those good years. They both they both had very sort of loose remits, Rice and Suchek, to just go where they wanted, really. And obviously having three at the back is 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 an attempt to sort of solidify that. It wasn't like the diagram. In fact, Downs, I wasn't quite sure where he was supposed to be at any time. He seemed to be loosely right-sided, but seemed to be sitting deeper than Suchek, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, to, to be honest, the player we haven't mentioned who I think is is really, really material to all of this, actually, is Fournals, because yeah. his decline, absence, falling out, whatever it is that means he's not there, to me is really, really noticeable. And you watch it on um, Sunday, and, you know, I think, I think I'm right in saying the last time that Fournals started was Leeds where mm. I, I think I wrote something that it was like, where the hell has this guy been? Because, you know, yeah. we, we've been hopeless for, for a very long time. And he suddenly arrives, plays well. You know, we're pressing from all over the place, but he can use the ball. And, you know, you, you watch a game like Sunday and you think, how can we not use a player yeah. of his capabilities and even, you know, a Lanzini or somebody to, to use the ball better? Because in the end, defensively, we are fairly sound. But, the, the creation of chances is poor. The taking of chances is poor. And in yeah. the end, you you can't, it, you, we're not going to be at a nil-nil our way out of, releg- no, no. out of relegation travel. And you sort of feel that might be what he's trying to do. And I, I'm not, Yeah, it worries I me. don't see it. Yeah. yeah. When we were at our best under him, you know, it was speed of transition was vital in, in, in and time and again, yeah. Paul Niles plays that, that first time ball doesn't always come off, but but the defence splitting pass or the or the pass for someone to run onto, which it just seems to see passes that a lot of other players in, yeah. in the team simply don't. Um, and, and time and again, we we turn the ball over, we win the ball. You know, Suchet's good at good at good at winning the ball. Rice is fantastic at turning it over. And I, I thought the one encouraging thing at Newcastle going back was that we were winning the ball fairly high up the pitch. We were pressing them a bit more effectively. Um, but even then, once we turned the ball over, it time and again, it would slow down. And Ben Rahm is a great slower down of attacks, yeah. I, I, I feel. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like you were saying, Phil, you know, quite often the ball goes out wide and then nobody's got into the box quick. No one's made that lung-busting run, as you said earlier, to get into the box. So there's not a cross on other than a hit and hope. So somebody turns round, goes back, it goes back to Rice and it gets recycled to the other side of the pitch and eventually we we, we don't have a shot or we have yeah. some kind of pain. But, you know, and it, it feels very predictable and and pedestrian, you know, too much of the time. And I agree. I think, you know, um, I, I feel it's rather sad that Fallnaus has has ended up being the kind of in the changes that seem to be taking place, he's ended up being the sort of fall guy, hasn't he? Really, he's yes. now the his versatility has worked against him, as, as, it, it, in a way. It's strange that you know on on Sunday when you know we were thinking about looking at the looking at the bench and thinking about substitutions, watching players warm up. You were thinking about bringing Danny Ings on, but what you what you have because he's been around the block for so long, Danny Ings, is that we slightly see him as being in, you know, his sort of early 50s and that he's not going to be doing the closing down part of it. He's not going to be doing the pressing part of it. So you're, you know, and you imagine Moyes, or at least I imagine Moyes being sort of having a quandary about who do I take off to put the immobile goal hanger Danny Ings on. And he doesn't want to take Antonio off. He doesn't want to bring Bowen off uh, because they do try and close down the keeper. Doesn't want to bring Ben Rama off. And um, 
What's frustrating is that Fornells does, you know, close the keeper down. He does press. He does do that stuff. But he does other creative stuff too. And and yeah, I think we all agree. It's it is incredibly strange how he has become the fall guy for the reorganisation of the team when he was so good and such an important part of those two seasons. I think one of the things that's interesting is, as I was watching it on Sunday, I was thinking to myself, much like Jim was saying there, that we had a certain way of playing a season or two ago. And I think the, the, the league have worked that out. And I think that the, the club or Moyes or whoever is making the decision, probably to their credit, figured that out and tried to change the team. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the problem is that transition is just incredible. Transition, sorry, off the pitch. Is yeah. incredibly hard, incredibly hard. Very, in fact, I was thinking this morning. Very few managers actually, or kind of, kind of survive the dip. Probably the only one I can think of is sort of like a Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, and I think that's only because they couldn't afford to yeah. fire him. But generally, when clubs transition and they dip, what actually happens is the manager goes out. And I was watching the game on Sunday and thinking to myself, really and truly, Moyes has assembled a squad for a manager for another manager. Because yes, I don't okay. think he's actually the right manager for that squad now. Okay. And I think I, I think to his credit, he wanted to go forward and change the team and everything else. But I'm not sure he's actually now at the point where he's capable of doing that. No. And it's sad because I do think he's been fantastic and and been our best. I think last time I was on, Jim, you said best manager since Lyle. And I think you might even say he's gone past Lyle, actually, in terms of what he's achieved. But, um, well, not you know, Lyle won things, you know, so... Um, well, but may, yes, but maybe in an era when it was possible for smaller clubs to win things yeah. in a way that perhaps it, it isn't now. But I mean, that's a debate for another day. But, yeah. but in any case, he's 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 worthy of being in the discussion. But I I, I, I do think that that this squad now is is not suited to Moyes anymore, and mm. that's in itself part of the problem. That's interesting. I, I, I think that's yeah. I think that is interesting. Go on, Phil. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that after this message. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Uh, before we talk a little bit maybe about the Chelsea game, uh, about a little bit about the dilemma, or quite a lot about the demo we've, dilemma we find ourselves in at the moment. Um, one thing I noticed uh, uh, recently and uh, have seen reported is one thing that su- survived the migration from White Hart Lane to the new stadium, as we saw at the weekend, was the uh, Hallmark card style motivational messages that were painted on the stands at White, Hall, White Hart Lane. <coughs> now they flash up on LED screens, but they're still the same handful of messages uh, uh, to dare is to do. Uh, the game is about glory. Uh, see it, say it, sorted. Um, who killed Tupac? Um, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Uh, free Ghislaine Maxwell. And uh, this is my club, my own, my one and only club, uh, which is a quote from Luka Modric. Um, but uh, they're the same messages. And uh, um, interestingly, uh ChatGPT is a language processing tool driven by uh, AI, or Macaulay Culkin, as we call it, which can answer questions like the, like a chatbot, uh, generate conversations. Um, in fact, we're using it now. This is all this is all uh, ChatGPT, at least what I'm saying. Uh, it can write emails, lyrics, fiction, even essays, which, Jim, I know is a big problem in education. Oh, yes. Yeah, very, very, very. Yeah. Uh, the, the ChatGPT is going to write essays for... Yeah. Uh, A-level and degree students, and and, uh, they now have to find more software to trace 
That's right. Patterns that suggest that something's being written by a bot, which is very strange. That's right. It can evade. Uh, but, but interestingly, Tottenham Hotspur are trialing this software as we speak uh, to uh, take these motivational quotes that already exist. Uh, and obviously, they are motivational. To dare is to do. That's true. Doing stuff is hard sometimes, and daring someone to do it for you is much easier. And uh, the game is about glory. Again, that's true. The game is about glory. Uh, Jaws is about a big shark that terrorizes a seaside result. Uh, Shrek is about uh, an ogre that marries a princess. So Chat GPT has taken the quotes they already have, to dare is to do, the game is about glory, and generated new ones that they hope capture the timeless spirit of the originals whilst bringing something fresh to the Tottenham experience. Um, and these, I've seen uh, uh, previews of some of them uh, that they're trialing. Some work better than others. Uh, in, the, in the motivational vein, there is um, success. It's obvious, Greavesy. That's a sort of legacy because Jimmy Greaves. Um, Unleash hell, Song Hyung Min. Uh, that's yes. Football, I like your thighs. I um, that's I don't know I don't know what that means. Uh, Vamos, European Super League. Uh, that's one. Uh, it's their cup final. That's you hear that, don't you? Yeah, you're on borrowed time. Insert name of current manager. Uh, that's another one. Um, Big club without air quotes. Uh, that's um, that's another one. And uh, you're still here, Eric Dyer. Uh, that's another one. And uh, so those are some that might flash up in the next few weeks. But uh, they're they're obviously trying just to get the right set of sentences uh, to get something as good as to dare is to do. And the game is about glory. Um, uh, I didn't like any of those. Um, no, well, I don't like to do. What the fuck does to dare is to do actually yeah. mean? It's just you could swap it the other way around. It would make just as much sense. Or, or yes. you know, to do is to dare. I mean, what does it mean? It's yeah. Just, it, it's, yeah, there was, um, um, we we did this, um, we used to do these sort of, you know, the comedy group I was in the 90s, comedy improv group, we used to do a lot of big companies sort of conferences, and they would quite often have like a motivational speaker, and they would have written a book, a kind of motivational textbook that had sort of at its heart, a sort of... Um, you know, a metaphor. And there was this guy that did this one for a huge pharmaceutical company. And he had written a book called sort of Taming Taming Tigers. It was called Taming Tigers. And it was obviously the idea that all your, you know, your fears and your sort of shortcomings are, are like a tiger that you should tame. But you're sort of going, yeah, but the things that you're describing are already scary and just describing it as another <laughs> scary. <laughs> so what do you, I mean, what would you do at a conference of actual people that tame tigers? You'd go, well, your job, in a way, a metaphor for that is the tiger represents all your fears and the things that you're worried about. They're like, what? Yeah. Well, getting eaten by a tiger. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our thing. Yeah. To dare is to do. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Yes, uh, this, I mean, this scoring of goals is something that, that's the thing that's got to change, isn't it? Because we are sort of playing, I mean, Moyes' post-match interview is just cut and paste. I thought we had lots of moments we played really well, and I sort of agree. But, yeah. you know, that 2-0, routine 2-0 defeat to Brentford, we were really good for about the first 20 minutes and didn't put the ball in the net. That's right. And that told you everything you needed to know about the rest of the game. You know, if we don't put the ball in the net when we're playing this well, Brentford are going to come into this game. And yeah. we'll play, you, you know. Yeah. Well, it's worth, it's worth, in that light, it's worth going back to the Chelsea game. Yeah. It's worth noting that, you know, for 20 minutes, they played us off the park, didn't they? Yeah, and they had two disallowed goals that were one of which was quite a tight VAR, but or, but accurate VAR decision. But you know, on another day, we could have been three nil down in twenty minutes, yeah. and the uh, yeah. would have been game over. Um, and you know, eventually we did we did come into it, and they they fell more and more into disarray as the sort of game went on. And even then, they were hanging on. I felt I felt second half, you know, having 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 
deservedly got back into it and actually started the second half on the front foot. And, yeah. and, and Chelsea looked like they were there for the taking. And then almost inexplicably, inexplicably at about sort of 70 minutes, substitutions were made and uh, the, the whole sort of the sense that we were kind of, well, let's keep, let's, let's play for the point that we've got. Whereas yeah. actually, I think, I felt if you know the game was 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 poised in a way that if we were if we dared and did we might have bloody won it you know yes I, it's I, funny Moyes has started to do that kind of the sort of Ron manager things that yeah, he didn't actually he yeah. didn't used to do that that sort no. of you know making some changes during injury time because you think the referee won't notice and add two more minutes on for those substitutions. Those kind of, you know, I remember Billich doing a lot of those things, making changes to the team. You know, if your team is in the lead, leave them out there because they're obviously doing something right. Don't sort of go, oh, we'll, we'll bring some more defender. We'll bring another central defender on or something, you know, just to try and sort of close this out. You know, it will sort of, it could easily change the shape of your team. Uh, no one knows who they're marking. And the person you bring on isn't up to speed with the t- with the game, with the tempo of the game, you know. And yes, David Moyes used to, you know, quite a you know, obviously, because he's quite resistant to substitutions, leave exactly the same players out there to see the game out, you know. Uh, but now it is this sort of slight kind of defensive changes to try and sort of shore up what we've got. And, you know, that can go wrong. I mean, I, this- I, I do have a policy of not remembering further back than one game in this season, just because yeah. it's incredibly painful to do so. But I think I'm right in saying that we did. I mean, Suchek did have a goal disallowed, didn't he, at the end of that game? That yeah. probably yes. Rice should not have been caught. I think it was Rice. He was caught offside from a free kick. Yeah, he shouldn't I think, have been, I think Suchek would have right. been offside as well. They didn't get to checking him. Um, yes, think- yeah, no, yes, you, you are you are quite right. But, but I think both of them looking along the line should have been able to have stayed in line and yeah, and thought, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think we would have won that game last year. You know, yeah. if, you, if you look at yes. Chelsea, they are in disarray at the moment, and they're you know for all they're going and spending four hundred million in January, and as much as I think Potter's a really good manager, you know, I don't, I don't think they're particularly good. Um, but for half an hour, I was like. Uh, you know, wondering how, you know, what we would be able to keep the score to because every time you looked up, somebody, Havertz, was running in behind yeah. our back three. I mean, it, it was just constant, you know, like, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. It, it, then yeah. clearly more was going on than than the layman would notice. But every time you looked up, you did think, well, perhaps we should just try and deal with the ball over the top because that seems to be causing us problems yeah. you know, every time they do it. Um, and, you know, for half an hour, yeah, it looked like we would we would really struggle to cling on. I think we kind of then accidentally equalised. And then after that point, we were absolutely well in the game and played really well. And the second half totally, totally nullified them, really. I, I didn't ever think particularly they were going to get back into the game no. beyond no, the sort of no. natural fatalism that we all have. But I didn't think that anything on the pitch was, well, was suggesting other that. other than by us allowing them back into it, which is effectively what happened, because it felt like we were sort of holding on a bit. You know, and then there was the big penalty appeal, which uh, which I thought was ridiculously analysed on match of the day. By the way, yeah. I thought that was absurd. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 I'd like to. I mean, going back to the point you made before the break about about you know the squad not being um, in a way the right squad for Moyes <laughs> that he's tried to build a more ball playing um, squad. I, half of me wonders whether Potter's on 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 borrowed time, isn't he, at, at Chelsea? I mean, the fans have turned yeah. against him. You can't you can't spend all that money and lose at home to Southampton. Um, uh, he's got, he's got, they'll probably go out to Dortmund. I mean, although they are still in that, but if they go out to Dortmund, it looks like they're certainly out of the Champions League picture and might not even get into Europe at all through the league. They're out of both cups. They'll be out of Europe. Um, I just don't think he can survive that. And I almost, half of me wonders whether we're almost sort of waiting for him to get sacked before we sack Moyes. Because in in so many ways, I think he might be the right manager for the squad that we've got. And, and um, we I might agree. be the right fit of club for him. I, I think he got, I th- he's, he's done a fantastic job 
uh, at Brighton. He's got he's got he's he's a, he's a forward thinking progressive manager who plays um, uh, uh, I think an attractive brand of football. Um, gets the best out of, of of certain kinds of players. You know, think of Trossard and people like that. Ball playing players. Um, and you wonder whether actually, you know, he's the right man to get a tune out of some of some of the some of the players. But it really felt that Moyes didn't know, hasn't known what to do with Baquetta, that he wasn't it, it was almost like yeah. this alien life form has been <laughs> been down. Yeah. And he thought kind of thought he was a number ten, and then oh it turns out he's not actually a number ten, but surely he wears the number, you know, just when he plays number ten position for, for Brazil, but but doesn't really do that, does he? Is it is it he's a kind of water carrier in many ways for for that yeah. uh, Brazilian um, stars, you know, and and Scamacca as well, Jim. Don't you think? I, mean, yes. like, I think he looks at him and he's like, "You're six foot yeah. three, surely." Yeah. We, you know, we've, yeah. we've we've put in thirty crosses today from our fullbacks. Like, why have we not scored? And you no, exactly. Scamacca look at him going, "Well, have you never seen me play before?" You know, and, yeah. I, and I completely exactly. agree. But exactly. That's a hundred million, you know, that they yeah. spent on those yeah. two. Yeah, and I mean, for what it's worth, Jim, the Potter thing. I've been saying the same thing actually as to whether or not you know we we. It, ideally, actually, you'd like him probably to, to see out the season and they could try and get him at the end of the year because I think they're pretty wedded to Moyes now, no matter what anybody think, says. And, and I think the one thing they're going to have to potentially do is that you don't want to get into a battle with Spurs because that looks very precarious with Conte, doesn't it? That, yeah. that, that's yeah, been a very... He never stays anywhere more than a couple of seasons anyway, does he? Yes, yeah. So you worry, or I worry anyway, that Potter would look at Spurs and say, yeah. you know, I could take them on. But, you know, we as a sort of a club profile... The, the, the stadium's massive, but as a club, we're a lot closer to Brighton, you'd think, than those sort of Champions yeah. League sort of teams. The only thing that would worry me is that I think Brighton's off-field structure is such that they would routinely provide him with exactly the sort of player they needed that they'd plucked for like 800 grand out of the second division of the Bundesliga or something, you know, whereas yeah. for us, you sense, you know, w- would it work as well with Sullivan yeah. just arriving yeah. one morning and saying, oh, I've bought you this bloke, you know. And, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I mean, it, I it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, another thing that you know we, we've said quite a few times on this podcast is that is that um, you know the the team the team from our two good seasons was this kind of ragtag bunch of misfits, and I think they're starting to, you know, you're starting to think Ben Rama isn't Saka and isn't Riyad Mahrez and isn't you know um, it really isn't you know and. You go sort of, they've lost Trossard, but you go, Solly, you know, I'd probably have March, Solly March over over yeah. Bowen seems to be more product at the end of, you know, a run from Solly March. Yeah. You know, we've got these guys that, that, that are sort of slightly, they're like two thirds of a really good player. And, I'd have um, him over Ben Rama, definitely. I think I'd have Jim over Ben Rama, actually, if I'm yeah. totally honest. But, well, but, yeah. um, but um, not, but I think Bowen, I think he's... Yeah. A pretty good player who's struggling in the team. Yeah, I, I agree about Bowen. Yeah, and I think Bowen is 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 beginning to get some of his 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 form back. Yeah, you know, um, I thought we had a good game against. So he had a good game against Spurs, but, but I, I mean, again, again, it's difficult, isn't it? Because because he is one of the players that you're expecting to score goals. You know, if you're sort of going, we play one up top, and then you know. Two or three players behind, like you know, like a lot of teams do now. These you're attacking midfielders, your Sackers and Martinelli's and players. Are, they're expected to chip in with goals. You know, Grealish and Foden, all of those guys are expected to chip in with goals. And like then, you know, for them to for us to expect sort of goals to come from Antonio and more or less no one else. I mean, I know Moyes doesn't expect that, but at the moment they're not coming from Ben Rama. You know, I mean, he's scored like three or something. He's probably our top scorer with about three. Um, And, you know, very few from Bowen. And um, that's what he's sort of got to be changing, really. You know, there there isn't a natural goal scorer, apart from Ings and Skamaka, who at the moment aren't paying. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think there's a curious paradox, and it was irony in the fact that one or two of our players do seem to be getting their mojo back and improving yes. individually, and it, you know, Aguard has come in and looked a good player. Carer is starting to settle in and 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 has had a couple of decent mm-hmm. games. Uh, um, Emerson is starting to look like a half decent left yeah. wing back. 
Although he he should have really attracted the other Emerson's run for that for that goal. Robert. Yes, yes. Um, we should talk a little and, bit and about Sufal those two has goals. Definitely got his mojo back. He's been great the last few games. Sufal. So, yeah. 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 I, you know, so uh, you know, it's frustrating that 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 we aren't sticking the ball in the net because we're doing most of the rest of it okay really aren't we um yes and it changes so, the shape of the game doesn't it it's not just the yeah. score line it's how you know getting the ball in the net the other team starts to change the way it plays it opens you know p- opens up more yeah. possibilities yeah. but at the moment we one of those games i think it might have been the brentford one where they scored twice from throw-ins when we mounted an attack it looked like the body language was, oh, no, not again. We've got to try and attack the other team's goal because they did exactly the same thing every time. Ran up the left, Ben Rama and Emerson and possibly Cresswell at the time, dithered around with each other, changed their mind, passed it back to Rice. Rice passed it over. A cross came in. I mean, that was happening when Skamaka was playing. A cross would arrive intended for the head of Skamaka when he is now surrounded by 10 opposition players because the build-up play is so slow, you know? Yeah, yeah. And as James alluded to this earlier, but the baffling uh, way in which our ability to score from set pieces is simply evaporating. Yes. Uh when in fact, you know, we were scoring significantly, you know, not only that, it meant that other teams, you know, every dead ball situation in the opposition half in those successful Moyes times was, was a threat, wasn't it? Well, yeah. we scored a significant number of corners, free kicks. Um, and it that, 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 you know, puts the other team under a lot of pressure. You know, if you know you give away free yeah. kicks in those dangerous areas, we are very likely to score from one of them. Um, um, we got more. We got more corners uh, than Spurs on Sunday at Spurs. Yeah, we did. And, uh, yeah. Didn't really do didn't, anything with it. It was funny because there did look like something had been worked out on the training ground quite early on with a free kick from Emerson that went to Suchek at the back post, yeah. who nodded okay. it into the danger zone. And unless that was sort of a mistake and just you know, he overhit it and Suchek saw it sailing over everyone else's head. So I thought, I'll head that back. Looked deliberate. And you thought, oh, well, yeah. it works on that. You know, but corners that, just seem to, well, they just seem to put it in the mixer. And without Cresswell and Fornals, we now have Rice taking corners. Um, yes. And he's shit at it. I mean, he's a bloody brilliant <laughs> footballer, but he he's... he's Fucking useless at taking corners. It's like Decanio used to yes. insist on taking corners, and he was terrible at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that that's a bit mad, isn't it? And Bowen <laughs> has lost the ability to put it on a sixpence as well. You know. Yes. Yes. Very strange. Yeah. I mean, like Rice taking corners has got quite sort of weird vibes about. You know, that's sort of like when you're playing a computer game or something. And you don't know, you yeah. don't know which player you're controlling, and suddenly your best player is taking the corner because you, you know yeah. you're 43 and you're playing against a 12 year old nephew. You know, and you know what you're doing. Yeah, he says from yeah. experience. But you know, that's sort of how Declan Rice ends up taking your corners. There's no other real discernible reason why that no. would happen. No, no. And yeah, I mean that that complete evaporation of a, of a set piece threat is particularly problematic if you're going to play in the way that we play. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it, you know, I, I think if you carry a massive set piece threat, you think about sort of teams of years gone by, like sort of Bolton or something. You know, being stereotypical about Allardyce, but you know, he would go defend, be really hard to beat, and then win lots of corners, long throws, all that kind of stuff, and you bombard the opposition, yeah. and you can get goals from it. That doesn't. That's not happening. I mean, we went some astronomical amount of time without scoring from a corner until Paqueta scored the other week in yeah. Newcastle. I think before yeah. that, it had been quite a long period of time. And well, we used to do it, that. It, it kills you. In that first season, possibly the second season, that we were good under David Moyes, the kind of lockdown season, we were doing that thing that the England team was doing where there's a weird sort of queue of players you know, uh, so it clearly was sort of, sort of something that they've learned in the training ground. And we were at least sort of doing that. And it's like, is everyone doing this now? And the other team can now just, you know, predict that, you know, the third one's going to be the one that, you know, two of them are running interference and the third gets their head on it. Whether or not, you know, the other team sort of has uh, has worked that out and it's no point playing that, at least it looks like something. There now isn't really anything. It really is just the ball into the mixer and 
you know, if they've got any tall, competent central defenders, they'll head it out or the keeper catches it, you know. Very strange, yeah, yeah. very strange. Um, yes, so now the game at the weekend has, you know, added pressure uh, as as has been the case serially. The uh, Probably the last time we had this situation was the Everton game and we did win that game. You know, it was a sort of must win and we won it. Uh, this game feels the same. Um, though Forrest seemed to have got a little bit of, uh, you know, camaraderie, team spirit and, you know, a bit of get up and go about them. Which is amazing because they've got just over a thousand players in their first yeah, team squad. That's, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite an achievement. <laughs> oh, they've got uh, Czech Kuate, haven't they? Yeah, well, why not? Yeah, this yeah. Is- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. They've just got everyone now, haven't they? John Joe yeah. Shelby. They've got everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony Cotty's there, I think. Does uh, Lingard get a game for them? Is he no. injured or is he? Doesn't seem no. to have featured, does he? No. Uh, I think he hardly plays. I think he has been injured actually, but I think he's hardly hardly played. And yeah. yeah, I mean, if you think about, you know, that. I mean, that was such a huge thing, wasn't it, in the summer? And you know, such a massive signing. We were so bereft here. you know and uh, you know realistically you, you know I, I wonder actually if, if he had come here if that might have been a real turning point for us if, if things might have gone differently because if he'd recaptured the form we had previously yeah. with us actually it would have been borderline impossible to have played that well again actually for a whole season but just yes you know you really felt that there was a lot of eggs in that basket that Moyes was really keen to get him and didn't and well, then ended up with Paqueta which you as you sort of yes. said Phil was a bit like, oh, who's a player who's like him? I oh, will go and get him. And then he turns out to be nothing like Lingard and he isn't like Lingard. No, but, um, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and there was a feeling that Moyes spent a kind of disproportionate amount of time pursuing Jesse Lingard and, you know, which left him with little time to, you know, get what ended up being Paqueta. And, well, we uh, chased quite a few targets in the summer who never really looked like coming like the... Um, the Polish guy at uh, Napoli, they were after. Yeah, Zielinski. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then they thought they were getting the guy at Bruges, didn't they? The tall fella, Vanneken or yeah. Kost, yeah. Kostic from um, then the Kostic, left wing back. Who's, who's from the left wing back? Yeah, and then ended up with Emerson. I mean, you know, it's um, you know, although I'm I'm kind of enjoying Emerson's work at the moment. Oh, I think he's I, good. I, I think he's. Yeah. I think you know, at the moment, those two wing backs are, 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 are playing. Decently well. I really like Aguirre. I think um, Zuma will obviously come back. And it's looking like, I, I wonder whether he'll come back. I mean, Kara now is beginning to tick over a, a lot more effectively, I think. Um, yeah. And Obama was at fault, come back I in for Obama. Yeah, Obama's found, yeah. found a bit of form. You know, he's, he's a solid, experienced pro, isn't he? But he's, um, but he's lost some pace, hasn't it, he? Well, we were done for pace, weren't we? Davis' pace was a problem. There were some warning signs in the first half, and it was just, it was a nice through ball, but it was, you know, you know, it was not tracking a run and then just being done for pace in that space between the, the wing-back and the centre-back, you know, it, you know, soft, softish goal in a way, but quite well worked by Spurs, to be fair. So, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I suppose if you looked at those three games, Newcastle away, a team that only Liverpool have beaten this season um, with an incredible home record, uh, Chelsea at home and Spurs. I suppose if you looked at those three games and said two points out of those, you probably, that was probably as much as you were expecting, actually. You would take it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, hopefully maybe got to get a win in there, but that was as good as we were going to get from those three games. I think I, d- I, d- I don't think the Spurs game was a season-defining. People get very angry about it because of the nature of the of that game now and the fact that we can turn them over. But I don't think it was season-defining. I think Saturday could be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's it's going to you know. Um, a game that I thought was very telling this season, which we, which we did manage to win 1-0, was the game at Aston Villa when there was so yeah. much pressure on it that in that first half, and we went to that game, Jim, didn't we? Um, yes. We played with such nerves and s- such tension. Um, Emerson, I think it was his first game for us, he absolutely didn't know what to do, you know. He <laughs> didn't pass the cross the, the halfway line because I think it was, you know, the the... Uh, that 
the volition to just not concede, the onus on us not to concede in the first half just scrambled our brains. We just didn't. And when we got to half time, we played in the second half with a little bit more freedom because we'd got yeah. in nil-nil and we managed to nick it one-nil. But, um, you know, there is now that huge amount of pressure at the Thunderdome on uh, Saturday for this game. Uh, and uh, they've got to sort of play with a bit of, you know, this new sort of freedom that they found. Like, you know, that we have some players that are coming into form. Emerson uh, is good. Sue Fowl is, like you say, has been playing very well. Bowen looks like he might have got a little bit of his mojo back. But um, I think some changes might need to happen uh, up front. Absolutely. They just put some attacking resources on the pitch. You know, I yeah. mean, they can't score from the bench, can they? You know, no. just Skamaka Ings, one of one of them at least, starting with Antonio, with but you know, just let's give them something to worry about yeah. and go at them. Play play a high press. You know, I think we've got to get on the front foot. We've got to try and 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 put in a good first twenty minutes, which we so rarely do this season. Get uh, you know, get the first goal. It was a really, you know, I, I haven't seen that from us. Um, we start games tentatively. Chelsea, we were absolutely still in the dressing well, room. Well, at home, but, at home, we start yeah. tentatively, don't we? Yeah. I mean, that Chelsea yeah. game, we're at home and we started it like we, you know, had just got out of bed. It was very strange. Yeah, we should need to just tear into them, get the crowd, you know, a few hard tackles early on. The old yellow card won't matter, you know, just get. A bit of a lift from the from, from from the crowd, you know, and 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 um, it could go, you know, it could go our way. And I, you know, I'm not what you know, worry about them in terms of of, of quality. Not so, isn't it? They, they're doing all right at the moment. We should be able to beat them. We have yeah. good enough players. <clears throat> um, it's about attitude, I think, as much as anything else. The one thing I would say, I saw a lot of comments, sort of in various. Form, formats and, and whatnot about a lack of effort on, on against Spurs on Sunday. And I, I really disagree with that. I, I, yeah. I, I thought one of the encouraging things about the, the, well, the few encouraging things about the Spurs performance is that heads didn't go down. And I, I thought, I thought, I thought the effort was there. I, I don't, I didn't see a team not playing for the manager. I didn't see a team not, not, you know, not giving up. I thought we were, you know, we battled away. You know, and and but Bowen showed that spirit right at the end. Plattered by uh, by Perisic was lucky to stay on the pitch. I thought. Yeah, the, he should end. have been sent off. Should yeah. have had two yellows, shouldn't he? I mean, it was um, like fatigue was... from the ref, wasn't it? It's like the yeah, ref saw this terrible. yellow card challenge, but just because with the end of the game hoving into view, couldn't be asked to put his hand in his pocket and get a yellow card out, so that when it happened again, he just yeah. gave one yellow. It's like. It, yeah. He just couldn't be bothered to give a yellow card challenge a yellow card because he's just too mm. tired or something like that. Yeah. Just couldn't be bothered. Well, ha having booked Antonio for getting the ball against Kane, yeah. you know, like one of the more ridiculous bookings I've ever seen, actually, because Kane, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Kane falls over holding yeah. his ankle like he's really, you know, like he's been caught. But if you watch it on yeah. the replay, it's the ball, you know, and, and it's yeah. absurd. But yeah, Paris should, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make any difference to the game, but he no. comes down and commits two quite bad fouls within like yeah. 10 seconds of each other. It's absurd. Really yes, it is poor absurd. Yeah. from the ref. Terrible. Yeah. Um, no. I will just say on the, on the Forest game, Phil, one, one thing just to bear in mind is the reverse fixture against them is one of the most perplexing games of football I've ever seen. Yes. It's like a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah, I was just yeah, watching yeah. it and I was like, I don't yeah. understand what's happening. Yeah. Like someone's just handled the ball and he's uh, like, you know, tipped it around the post and he's still on the pitch. You know, all this sort of, yeah. you know, just crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. goals being disallowed. That they accidentally they accidentally scored. The bloke didn't know he'd scored. It was an accident. So yeah. I kind of have to feel at some point that our luck in in that respect might turn. And whilst I think it will be an, I think it will be a really hard game on on Sunday. I think it might be like a a kind of you know like an old fifth round cup tie from like nineteen eighty seven or something. I think it yeah. really could be like a really tense tight physical sort of horrible kind of game but yeah. i do think it's a bit season defining and i and i think if we can get some of the luck that we were missing in that reverse fixture where we had none yeah um oh, you, and, and you nick it and then i think you know we can move up my, my concern is if we have one of those sort of late 
Do you remember the road season at the end of it? We kept sort of having yeah. these home games, and you were like, "Oh, it's it's Birmingham. Oh, it's it's such a city. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd lose. we can't do that. Can't lose on Saturday. That would that would be, I think, pretty catastrophic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, there's a, you know there are some similarities with that season, aren't there? I mean, I sort of think that the uh, you know again talking about that Forest game, the Rice penalty is a little bit like a Kunate. Uh, uh, sorry, um, Canute uh, penalty yes. against Arsenal, sort of career development. That penalty goes in, and I think we probably would have stayed up that season. Um, yeah, I agree. Everything yeah. about that game, yeah, the penalty, the handball, um, the VAR decision to chalk off the Ben Rama goal, which was outrageous, ridiculous yeah. decision. Shouldn't yeah. have, shouldn't have been overruled. That 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 goal hit the underside of the bar, ball bounced yeah. down the line twice. You know, yeah, it yeah. was crazy. It just was nuts. We absolutely battered them in that second half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the well, season I guess would have been very should... different if we'd have won yeah. that. Um, I guess it's predictions for that game then. Jim, oh, what do you reckon? Well, I think it's a must win. And I think I think that I, I'm hoping <laughs> that they do something like I've described and actually go at it from the from the word go. I think it's gonna be a really tough 2-1 win right James what do you think um, yeah I think I was I think I was going to go for the summer but I, 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 I won't um, maybe I'll say we'll we'll eke out a 1-0 win because I do think defensively we're decent so 1-0 and, and like it, in an ideal world for me a goal that we accidentally score where the player doesn't realise he scored it that to me would be perfect <laughs> yeah Carver. yeah Absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, that leaves me with. Uh, I feel I feel I want to. I feel I want to say a win. I'm sort of tempted to say a draw, uh, but okay, I'll I'll take two nil then. Two nil for that game. <laughs> All um, right. Just before we go, just a shout out for the under 18s who are doing remarkably well. They beat Norwich six nil at the weekend at a miles top of top of their league. They've only lost the one game I think in the league. Um, and are tomorrow at Ipswich in the FA Youth Cup quarterfinal, which if they if they yeah. win, it'll be the first time we've got to the semi-final since Joe Cole and Carrick and Co won it in '99. Yeah. yeah, and I might go. I might go to that actually. I think. Oh, when is it? It's tomorrow at Portman Road. Ooh. Oh, blimey. Yeah, they're a good-looking team, aren't they? Because some of their better yeah. players are already up playing in the 21, so they've got some yeah. quite young kids in that team, which is actually, when yeah. you look at age group football, if you get kids playing up at, you know, above their um, yeah. above their age group, that's quite telling. In the FA Youth Cup, they seem to be playing Mubama and people like that, so they're taking yes. it quite seriously. Mm, so mm. hopefully, you know, they're absolutely dominating their league. They really are. Yeah, I mean, probably would like to see Mubama sort of on the bench for us in kind of first team games. Hmm. Well, know. he has been. Yeah, yeah, but uh, well, you know, getting a getting some minutes, yeah. getting some minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, this has been uh, this week's Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelan's. With me have been Jim Grant, Cheerio, and James Cairns. Good night. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.